Talking sports as they report Back and forth from their home court They talk the sports if you're not sure They talk of sports and then talk more About all sports East, West, South, North Ryan talks sports Andrew retorts And George will hear as they both sort Through all the sports they both support The Walk-Ons What's up guys? Welcome to the Walk-Ons Podcast It is Saturday, April 24th And don't call us gamers But myself and Andrew Schuster We are wildly, unforgivingly hungover So, you know, we're here, we're here for the people, right? That's what we do, Andrew, huh? Yeah, I mean, when, when Jamal Murray when Jamal Murray tears his ACL and the Nugget season goes down the drain, there's nothing to do but drink and just just get uh, you know all in your feelings and just lament what could have been. So that's where I'm at right now. Since he went down, huh? It's been it's been rough. I I uh, it's like a death in the family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? And let's actually that's a great lead in. You know, with the NBA, I feel like every night that I'm watching games somebody's going down right you got jamal murray who's done for the season donovan mitchell went down joel Embiid's getting hurt certainly anthony davis finally made his return after missed 30 games i mean steph curry i was watching the game last night uh, nuggets uh warriors and steph curry's limping around like what is going on in terms of the nba the injuries how does this sort of shake up the playoff picture right you've got star uh, star players dropping like flies i mean it kind of seems like Jokic is the only guy standing, so he's going to win the MVP, which I'm sure you can, uh, you know, get your arms around. But, you know, what's going on with the NBA right now? Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 and it's not one of those where we're like, where did this come from? We all knew it was going to kind of happen with when they announced the condensed schedule and it's 72 games in like three months. It's it's like I remember when they announced all the details of the season, we were talking, oh, this is going to be bad. Like the, the on-court product is not going to be good. It's not going to be up to par with other seasons. And then all of a sudden, three months later, we're acting like it's it's a surprise. It's like, no, we all kind of knew this was going to be a possibility, especially with the last season only ending in September and October. It's just, it's a bummer. And, it, and like you said, I think the big point is it's impacting the playoff seedings and it's impacting the playoff picture. Because this year, as opposed to the best team just winning, it really might be who's the best team at just weathering the oh, storm yeah. and staying healthy. Yeah. And yeah. as I already let off the show with is the Nuggets were looking incredible. And then since Jamal Murray's got hurt, they're not bad, but no one's, you know, taking them as a serious contender as they shouldn't be. I mean, they, they'll be a solid a regular season team, but they're not going to make any damage in the playoffs. That was their guy for the playoffs. And Warriors smacked him around last night too and made it look yeah. easy. It's <laughs> It, you know, and that's the team he, he got hurt against, but they, uh, I mean, Jokic is going to win MVP. And I guess the one upside of Jamal getting hurt is now it really makes it clear that Jokic is doing everything for them when they are successful. But yeah, it, I mean, you see with the Lakers, the, the jazz with Donovan Mitchell. Now, I mean, the, who would have thought the Lakers are going to be the five seed in the Western conference playoffs and still be the favorite to win the championship. It's just, it's a bummer that this season is really going to be defined in a lot of ways by injuries as opposed to just, oh, what other like storylines, you know, narratives happened that are on the court and we all want to see. Yeah, we, I think we, you know, like you said, we were definitely all, I think, a little bit, we, we expected this to happen, right? That, that short turnaround from coming in the bubble at the end of last year and then, okay, we're, we're getting right back into it. You know, most of these guys have never had this little amount of rest, even guys like LeBron, who's been in you know, the NBA finals pretty much every, every year, every other year, you know, even he gets on a normal season, he gets, you know, three, four months to, to kind of rest his body. So I think that we're kind of finally seeing um, that, that other shoe drop, right. Where, where these injuries are happening, I guess, if there's a silver lining of it, you mentioned it, right. The Lakers might get the four or five seed, but you're looking at a team that Anthony Davis is back. Now uh, you've got, 
LeBron on his way back. Like that's interesting where if, if guys kind of get right and get healthy, I think Donovan Mitchell will be back for the playoffs. Um, that, that's kind of interesting, right? Seeing a, a LeBron James, Anthony Davis team as a four or five seed that, that could make for an interesting sort of playoff picture, right? Where, you know, you've got teams that really don't belong in, in those spots playing in the first round, right? Maybe it's Lakers Clippers, something like that. That's kind of interesting. I'd love to see Lakers Clippers because it means the Nuggets would have jumped the Clippers, but I, okay. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be Nuggets Lakers. And I think, uh, I think the Lakers are going to win that one. We just don't have anyone that can guard Anthony Davis and LeBron. We can, we can handle one of them, but not both. And uh, let me pull the plug before you go on a full Nuggets tangent. Come on. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Not everyone on this podcast <laughs> is from Denver and cares about the least interesting MVP candidate of all time. I think exactly zero listeners on our podcast uh, are from Denver, but that's neither here nor there. But let's talk about another guy who's also often injured. It's our guy, Kevin Durant. And I want to hit on this just because my man just cannot help himself. I mean, he's basically the king of Twitter now. And I, I have to respect him for that, right? You know, when he's getting caught with burner accounts and all this kind of stuff. And he just, most guys would just say, oh, you know, all right, tail between the legs. Let me just like get out of here and focus on basketball. No, no, no. Kevin Durant is doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. You know, he initially omitted Russ Westbrook from his listing his five best players that he's ever played with. And then corrected himself, said he was tripping. Uh, he got busted liking a tweet saying he was better than Steph Curry. Uh, I, I, probably he, because he forgot to use his burner. But, like, what is the deal with Kevin Durant? Why can this guy not get out of his own way, just rehab, get back on the floor, play basketball, right? I'm not going to be that guy, get off my porch or get off my lawn. Like, he has a right to be on Twitter. But at some point, when do you just, you know, when do you just stop? I don't know. And, and the thing is, I mean, none of us know what it's like to be a top five NBA player and like a superstar, a global superstar and know what he's going through on that lens. But yeah, he's just doing some things that like, even like a 12 year old with their first Twitter account would know not to do anymore. And it's just, yeah, it's in the, and he's like, you said it best. He's just the king of being so petty. And so at a certain point, it's just, you just laugh because he's doing it and he continues to do it. And it's, I mean, like anyone with, I, I guess when you think about like who are the top five players he's played with, you could make an argument Russ isn't on that list, but it also is just a bad look to not say that. Yeah. It's yeah. just a bad look to be like the guy who I'm spent the majority of my career with. And I actually like kind of left him in the dust. You know, I kind of fucked him over. And then I'm going to go out and say like, he's not even that good is just, I think I said it a couple weeks ago. I think Kevin Durant is doing a bad thing. If we're going to remember him a lot of ways that has nothing to do with his basketball accomplishments, which is not what you want as an athlete. Right. And for somebody who's as, I mean, generational of a talent as he is a seven footer who can dribble and shoot the three, you know, I mean, we should not be remembering Kevin Durant for what he does on Twitter or, you know, his injuries, it should be on the basketball floor. But at that, you know, in that respect, I, I do seriously respect the man for just, he, he keeps on. He just does not care what kind of feedback or blowback he's getting. He's just going to be on Twitter, just ripping that, you know, that like button and all kinds of burner accounts. But, you know, it, it, that, I guess in that respect, he's, a, he's as legendary off the floor as he is on the floor when it comes to social media. But let's move on to the NFL, Andrew. I want to talk about this, that sort of the big story as we kind of progress here in kind of kicking off the new season. A lot of teams are protesting those voluntary OTAs. Your Broncos, the Seahawks, Lions, Buccaneers, and others, you know, they've officially announced they are going to protest voluntary uh, OTAs due to the pandemic. I guess, you know, NFL offseason, 
it's certainly a 24-7, 365 league when we talk about it on, you know, uh, uh, the, the talking heads on ESPN, Fox, whatever. But does this mean anything in terms of teams like opting out of OTAs, right? I mean, you've got veterans who really don't need the OTAs, but at teams as a whole, um, and, you know, the NFL is kind of pushing back on that. Does, is this much ado about nothing or does this actually have some, some sort of traction here? It's, it's like, it's both. It's like, there's something to it and there's nothing to it. I mean, as, as a, as a fan, we can sit here and go, Oh, they're not doing this because of COVID they're doing this because they don't want to be forced to do workouts, you know, and they don't, and there's definitely an argument there of like, it's already a long season. We're adding extra game this year. It's, it's kind of a lot to, to require that they, you know, do some of these workouts and OTAs and stuff. So I, I get that. But then to come out and say it's because of COVID and kind of use that as, as the reason, the, the scapegoat is just a little insensitive to my taste. And I've heard a lot of people, you know, speculate too. And, and the Broncos were actually the first team to do this. So this was all over Denver sports media when it first came out. And they were just like, you guys have been in the facility working out. And then you're going to come out and say, we don't want to work out. It's like, it's just, it's hypocritical. And just, just say you don't want to work out. And that's one thing, but to make it seem like you're making a, like this, a, a decision and it's all these things that are like justified. It's like, no, you just don't want to work out. Leave it as that. Stop blaming it on the pandemic. Yeah. It, it does seem like a, a little bit picky, picky choosy. If you want to, you know, right. You're, you're already there. You're already doing this stuff. It's, it's kind of just like, well, screw it. Right. And I mean, I think it, the, what, what it really impacts is, you know, we're coming up on the draft this week it's going to impact the rookies, right? If you're kind of installing off new offenses and all this kind of stuff, that's, that's where it really hurts. It hurts your, your younger players when the, the veterans basically say, you know, we don't need to show up. It's voluntary. Like we're, we're doing this as a team. Nobody's going to show up. I, I, I'll be really interested to see. We might have some real sloppy football here early on in the season as it comes up. Uh, but while we're on that topic, we've got, we've got a great guest coming up. It's my buddy, Tim Fogarty, former number one quarterback out of high school in Indiana. Uh, he is, he's going to give us his breakdown on all the top quarterbacks in the draft. So looking forward to that. So we'll stop down and we'll, we'll bring on Timmy Fogarty in one minute. All right. Our guest today is a very good friend of mine. He's also our resident QB expert here in time for the draft. He was uh, the number one, former number one quarterback in Indiana out of high school. He was recruited by the likes of Northwestern, Iowa, Clemson, all the big boys. Of course, naturally he ended up at Dayton uh, and, and at Ball State later on. That is neither here nor there. The man knows what he, he knows how to spin a football and he also knows how to spin a take on some of these QBs. It's my man, Tim Fogarty. How are you, Timmy? Hey, boys, doing great. Uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on. On uh, It's not football season, but it technically is a big noon Saturday since we're talking hey, sports today. So football I love season it. 365, 24-7, 365. So anything is football oh. season. And excuse to have you on, my man. Hey, you're telling me, buddy. Uh, before we start, I got to give a shout out to my uh, nine-year-old flag football team I coach, the South Bay Ducks. We got our first game tonight, playing the Eagles. The Eagles have no idea what's coming. It's going to be amazing. We're going to crush them. You're a real uh, mad scientist there. I, I talked to you a little bit off offline about uh, your offense, and you're basically like the Cliff Kingsbury of, of nine-year-old football. You're just going to spread everybody out and just poke holes well, in the defense. Well, you got to, dude. Like, think about the game of football. The field is, like, 53 yards wide. Ours is, like, 40 because, again, they're nine. But, like, use the, utilize the whole field. You know what I'm saying? Don't just run the ball up the middle like it's 1977. You know, spread that shit out. Throw those screens. And then when they move them out, just boop, take it right up the middle. It's not, it's not a tough game, dude. It's really not a tough game. Like, it's not. You just have to – it's a bunch of big meathead idiots playing a game. If you're smart, you'll win. 
And I just, I picture you on the sideline just going, do you have your own hold me back coach? Do you have a hold me back? Coach? Uh, so like I'm actually, I'm actually allowed to be on the field. So I have a lot of room to run around. I, but the hardest part is not, the hardest part is not swearing, like not cussing. Like it's all my, like if someone does something bad, I just, my, I don't yell. I just get quiet, which as you guys can tell, like I talk a ton. So if I'm quiet, yeah, they know it's bad, you know? So that's I'd my heart. That's my biggest challenge. I'd love to see one of the nine-year-olds be your holding me back coach though. Like whichever <laughs> kid is like not good. Just like, Hey, you're not oh, going to yeah. play, but we're going to have a role for you. <laughs> well, I've got a kid on my team who literally is like almost as big as me already. Uh, so he might have to be my holding me back coach. Okay. Excellent. Well, Hey, listen, shout out to the South Bay Ducks head coach, Tim, my co upcoming coach of the year. But Tim, while we got you on, man, let's, let's talk about the big boys, right? So we got the NFL yeah. coming up this week. A lot of conjecture, a lot of smoke screens, all kinds of stories coming out. But I really, as, as the quarterback guru in the room here, Timmy, I want to get your take on kind of the, the top five that we're looking at, right? Uh, we got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Trey Lance. What, from your standpoint, rank these guys for me and then give me a little bit of your, of your background and, and take on, on each one of these guys and what you like, what you don't like, where you see them ending up. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So it's funny because my girlfriend asked before I got on, I was like, Hey, uh, ask me a question. You know, they might ask me. And she's like, okay, rank these guys. Like I'm Mount Rushmore. I go, okay, well, Mount Rushmore is four people, but we can make it five here. So let's do this. The, this is very difficult for me because I think I'll, I'll do it in two ways. I'll rank them what I think right now, as far as their ability. And then I'll talk about kind of how I think each one will do in their situation, because the NFL is, almost hundred percent situation based for an incoming quarterback. Right. I, I, I haven't seen anyone as all around well-rounded as a quarterback in every aspect as, as I have with Trevor Lawrence since Andrew Luck. Right. I, Andrew Luck always bothered me because he's a goddamn nerd, not even the nerd part, but he just was like such a, not, you know, a football bro. And the reason I didn't like totally love him is the same issue I have with Trevor Lawrence, where he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. He's always been the best. He's always, he's the number one high school quarterback. You know, his high school team won state finals in Georgia. He then goes to Clemson. He's at Clemson. If you remember Kelly Bryant, who was a damn good quarterback, was the fucking starter. And then I can cuss, right? You guys said? Okay. Oh, yeah, just sure. Making sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you have, you have Kelly Bryant, you know, who's in there as a starter. Trevor Lawrence comes in, literally beats him out. The dude's a senior as a pretty much a freshman, you know, starts the next season. Okay. So he's never really had adversity right like that's and I think that's one of the biggest things there I think to start off though he is going to be the number one pick the, you know that the only really knock on him I have is the I don't love football and I'm going to touch more on that in a second because that's a really really big one the next quarterback oh man see everybody loves Zach Wilson everybody well, the Jets, loves the, love him. The, Jets the, the Jets love him the Jets also seem to forget that and I'll list Zach Wilson, I think, at number two. But the Jets also seem to forget that, like, Sam Darnold wasn't throwing to, like, DK Metcalf or, like, Julio Jones. <laughs> the Jets don't have shit, bro. So, like, do you think that you're going to trade Sam Darnold, who I actually think is a pretty good quarterback. I think he'll be okay for the Panthers, you know. You're just going to all of a sudden trade him, bring in this new shiny toy in Zach Wilson, and who runs around and does all these crazy things that – he was doing in what conference is BYU even fucking in the whack? We're not in a conference. They're not in a conference. Okay. See, like, Independent. he does this against all these teams that you're like, okay. And then he plays my, uh, my absolute favorite team from last year, the Chanticleers. Oh, and they just, oh, throw, oh, and they, oh, they just 
fucking kicked his teeth in, you know, like he didn't do shit that game. Seriously, you know, like, so you take this kid who, okay, wow, did you see his draft? Did you see his like draft video? He rolled all the way to the left. Now that throw was awesome. Rolls to his left, throws that dime on, you know, the right. Everyone's talking about it. I just don't see him being able to keep his confidence because the way he plays the game, he plays a lot like Baker in a sense where they they play with a lot of tenacity and confidence and they make a lot of throws that most people wouldn't, but it works because they trust themselves. Guess what? Like this situation to me is, is, is harder than when Baker went into the Browns because I think the Jets are such a fucking dumpster fire. Dude, their owner was literally living in like the UK for like three years when like Trump was president. They didn't yeah. have the goddamn team. They didn't even know what the fuck was going on. You know, so like if you're Zach Wilson and you're going to go into this situation, I don't see that working for the Jets in any way, shape or form until like the Jets just aren't the Jets anymore because they're just a dumpster fire. OK, yeah, so about this too, Tim, like, it, it, the, you know, the one thing that I just find kind of exhausting and it's, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's the nature of, of the landscape now right now. Right. Because there's no there's no pro uh, there, there was no combine. Right. They threw that yeah. Out. So, so you basically are, you got your pro day, right? And everybody's salivating over Zach Wilson because he's rolling out <laughs> instead to his left, yeah. throwing dimes against no defense. I mean, like, None. What, what kind of value does that give to like a team, right? I mean, you're just seeing some guy like throw against air, right? It's like, oh wow, yeah. he put it in, he put it on a dime and you know sixty yards, but there's nobody there. I mean, what happened? No, to, you know, a cover six and you got guys dropping and they're bringing a safety down. You know, how does that translate? Well, and also think about this, dude. That's a great point because how many times in the NFL do you see a touchdown pass where the guy is wide open? That, that, that's not a thing. You're like, you know, like, the Jets, like Jets Raiders last. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I, I think like the toughest thing with that is I'm only impressed. And, and this is why I love like when Mike Mayock, he's the GM of the Raiders now, right? Yeah. Okay. His combine notes back in the day, dude, he would be hilarious. He would say like, like, dude looks good in shorts or, you know, just like, Shit that doesn't matter, but it would have wheel, like it would have legs, you know, like that would have legs in this, and these teams would be like, Yeah, he's, he's a big guy, he looks like a quarterback. <laughs> what the fuck? So, like, a lot of these guys evaluating are out of their damn minds. But these, again, with the draft and all these things at the combine, is think about it, it's, it's literally just for guys to, to get together and really kind of there's no value taken out of, of it, except for hey, show me, like, kind of show off. It's kind of like some of these other camps, like, Hey. If you can throw this, like that pass will never happen in an NFL game. But the fact that he can do it, there's a few stupid GMs in the NFL that because of Patrick Mahomes' success, and he has single-handedly, even though he's one of the best QBs I've ever seen, ruined the quarterback position and mechanics of it because he does everything wrong compared to what was, you know, basically been taught yeah. as a quarterback. Steph Curry, he's changed the game in a way that really like no kid should emulate, but now all the quarterbacks coming up are trying to, right? You want to be the next yeah. guy. So I think it's a, like a lot of more just these – you can't knock the quarterback for doing it because, again, they're, they're, they're showing off and impressing certain GMs that would matter. The thing to me that's most important is when a guy goes out and throws 50 passes and he completes like 48 of 50. I don't give a shit if, if that's against no defense. Bro, try to do that. That's hard. Like, you know, like that's – because it could be like you're, you're throwing a little too high here. Like to be accurate on 50 passes – or, you know, 45 of 50, that's the impressive thing for me and what some of these guys do. What's happening now and how it's evolving is these quarterbacks now are, are no longer doing these normal five-step drops and, and, and three-step drop passes and fades and rollouts and shit, which happens in the NFL. They're doing these scenarios that really are just 
they're kind of creating in their head like, okay, what if we have to, we're all out here and then we're running the post and then we play. Like, dude, happen once you, that'll have once a season and you also aren't Pat Mahomes yet. So you're not going to have the athleticism to get outside of, oh, what's that? We've got Miles Garrett on this side or, you know, playing the Browns with somebody else here. You don't have the athleticism to even get out and make that throw. Okay. So for me, I, I don't like the combine or anything like that, but you know, the, that's really what people are getting value out of it now is it's more just like, Hey, look what I can do. It's not like, you know, it's really, look what I can do, my potential type of thing. Right. But I'll, I'll kind of finish up on kind of the evaluation of our cues. Um, if you yeah, want, I mean, like so, kind of ranking them. Good stuff. Right. Timmy. I mean, I, I, that kind of stuff, I'm glad you touched on that. Right. It's like, you know, these, these scenarios that like, they're not real life. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. not only are you not maybe getting like the bench press, you're not going to get the chance. I mean, what, what coach is going to be like, yeah, I'm a rookie quarterback. Let me just let you roll out to your offside arm and just sling it across the field 60 yards. But so you're kind of like everybody, right? You've got Lawrence one. That seems like a, that's a given. You've got Zach Wilson. But let's talk about the next. I think, the next three, yeah. Right? We've got Mac Jones. We've got Trey Lance. And we've got Justin Fields. And I've been very vocal on this show as a Niners fan. I might just drop dead if we traded up all the way to three to get Mac Jones. Uh, give your take on those sort of those next three because I, yeah. I'm, I'm a Justin Fields guy through and through, but I want to hear what what your kind of take is and maybe who do you think is the best fit for the Niners as well? Oh, OHIO man, and I hate Ohio State, but <laughs> you'd like I, I you cannot the thing with me that always bothered me is it, when it, with any quarterback it was with Tua who I think is good, but anyone that plays with the best receivers and the best players right in college football, basically i.e. Alabama's quarterback always, it's so fucking hard for me to evaluate them in a, in a way where I actually can trust what I'm, you know, because again, you have Devontae Smith as, you know, Heisman winner, you're playing, you're throwing to J, uh, Jalen Waddle, you're throwing to all these guys who are, are going to be NFL talents or are NFL talents that are very good. I, and, and, but again, you're, you're under Nick Saban, the coaching staff and stuff. So it helps you prepare. I think Justin Fields, honestly, in my opinion, I think he will be out of all five of these, again, depending on who he gets drafted by, I think he has the most man I honestly think he could have the most potential like you don't just play against Clemson throw for 400 yards and six touchdowns on a fluke like the there he's very 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 good I like what we talked about earlier he has a chip on his shoulder okay some of these other guys they might not I don't think Mac Jones does I think Mac Jones is a very good guy I think he's a good quarterback I think he's got his head on his shoulders but I don't know if I want to draft him you know what I mean I, I Justin Fields that kid's pissed off you know, because no one gives no one's talking about him. And he's like, bro, I just torched Clemson. I literally have destroyed the Big Ten. You know, that conference you guys won't shut the fuck up about and we're not even that tight. Yeah, I've killed that. Like he to me, Reeves, I hope to God your Niners pick him. Oh, I don't think that I don't think they will. I think no, I think they'll pick Mac Jones. Uh, I, I think they'll pick uh, Mac Jones because it would just be too much, it would be such good theater, like in uh, my opinion. <laughs> but but no, and I really do. I, I think teams for some reason are trusting Mac Jones more than they're trusting Justin Fields because of the Alabama effect. Right. And, 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 but that, to me, that's not a great thing always. Like I understand why you like it. I understand that Alabama, you know, their organization, the way they run it and their players, like they are competing every day. Those dudes do well in the NFL. You know, they are, there's a reason they're all getting drafted, but again, as a quarterback, your practices are different than everybody else, man. So like when you're like an Alabama DN or an Alabama linebacker and you're going first round every day, you're fucking hitting, you know, like you're Alabama, you're hitting Derrick Henry when he's there and all that. If you're Matt Jones, you're not getting lit up by some of these linebackers and stuff, you know, during the game. So like 
you might like be good but in that atmosphere and everyone likes the Alabama effect but it's not the same for an Alabama quarterback as it is like an Alabama linebacker at the end does that make sense yeah right like just so I don't so, know if I love Mac Jones like a coaching staff like a, like a Shanahan or Lynch you know right the front office I mean everybody knows what the Alabama effect is right and it's, it has a certain effect on like a defense or wide receivers right but like you said a, a quarterback like Mac Jones who basically has two potential top five picks who he's got out wide right and he's got you know and you're not getting hit in practice Harris I mean don't go don't coaches on the next level understand that and sort of factor that into their evaluation I do and I think that's why they like Mac Jones yeah. because they're they think about how coachable he is and the people like Sarkeesian and Saban the guys that were coaching the, like you know him coming up so Shanahan you know I'm sure he has a good relationship or you know has respect for Saban and some of these other guys because that's basically what it is it's it's you're now kind of like a high school coach to a college coach saying like, hey, here's my baby, you know, take care of my baby. It's kind of the same thing, man. Like they're kind of doing that same exact thing where it's like, hey, who do you feel comfortable with? Tell me about this kid, you know, blah, blah, blah. It really comes down to the coaches and their comfort level with what that coaching staff is telling them. And I think with Nick Saban and Sarkeesian, those guys, they have a lot of clout in the NFL. Right. So those guys really like their quarterbacks. I think as far as I think I like Justin Fields out of those three the most, I think they will take Mac Jones. And the, the scariest guy to me, not in a bad way, but like the most unknown clearly is Trey Lance. Yeah. Right. And, and he, to me, I like him more and more as I kind of watch him and listen to him. I, I think the one game, the one game showcase they did last year was a fucking hilarious, like oh, stupid thing to do. 30 or something like that. It was like, yeah. Like, I, but it's, it's like, Hey, tough, right. You're playing one game in 14 months. Like, but it's still, it's, it's D2, right? Everybody talks about his, his what, 30-plus touchdown performance last year and zero, zero picks, right, which is great. But also, cool. North Dakota State is a powerhouse. They're almost like the Alabama of yep, that, exactly. you know, conference, right? And he's, you know, so, okay, great. 30, 30 touchdowns, zero picks. You're playing against, you know, sub-tier talent. I mean, mm -hmm. what does that really mean on the next level? I mean, I it's, think it's everything. 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 Yeah, okay. Everything. It, it, like, it's... And I've said this to like a lot of people that just don't really like get that is when you take the jump from high school to college, the speed, like I still remember the very first pass I threw in practice at University of Dayton practice. I threw an out route that I thought was open and a dude comes out of nowhere, literally lays parallel to the ground and deflects it in midair. And it, just that speed, that closure, like it's so different. So when you're like one double A, which is what I play, when you were one double A and you're playing against, let's say he were to play against Clemson's like corners uh dude those dudes are a second faster a, a full second faster than you know some of those guys on their breaks and cuts and things like that when you go to the nfl it is a completely different ball game right so like that's why i kind of like justin fields out of everyone the most because he plays every single week he's playing hard talent right the big ten's got talent every single week he is uh, the ACC is getting softer. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's playing tough teams. But last year, he didn't play against – he played against Notre Dame once. Yeah, DJ, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, the backup, you know, played the other game. You, you Who will be – oh, you, dude, we're, we're going to be talking about him next year. He is yeah, an absolute monster, next. dude. Um, but, no, I, I think what Trey Lance scares me because I've never liked – anytime there's a 1AA quarterback, like I, you know, I inserted foot and mouth with uh, – and it was Division One, but Josh Allen when he was at Wyoming, you know, I, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I inserted foot and mouth that kid, but I think it comes back to chip on the shoulder, right? When you've got the physical size, the actual, you know, things that you can't really work on, like Trey Lance does, like Josh Allen does, 
that I think if you have that drive can really push you further in the NFL, because that's really what it's about. Everyone's kind of at the same level in the NFL. It's like, who really fucking wants it? You know what I'm saying? So going through practices and stuff and not playing against good talent every single day. And I guess it kind of contradicts my point against Mac Jones because he is playing against good DBs, but I think it's so important to play against tough teams because I, you can't just go through bullshit practices and expect your games to be easy. And especially at the next level, it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So to me, I actually, my favorite quarterback out of all five of those, those are kind of the ranking pre. I think Justin Fields, I, I like his situation is going to depend. If he goes to the Niners, he's in a fucking good spot. Right. And that kind of, and, and I don't want to, you know, keep rambling, but that takes me back to the situation piece of, I am really, really, really scared for Zach Wilson. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, you bring up situation, but I think that's a good segue is where would you like to see each of these quarterbacks ideally end up? Cause I think if you put Mac Jones in the right situation, he could succeed and same with Trey Lance, but you know, like if, if they're on the wrong team, then yeah, it could just be a dumpster fire. Yeah. I, I think the Niners, I think if I were them, what I'm kind of thinking of, and I'll, and I'll look at it kind of like a team is I don't know if you're getting by taking Mac Jones, the Niners, instead of, Justin Fields Mac Jones is so much like Jimmy Garoppolo that it's like it's kind of like it's like okay you're gonna get rid of this guy and then this guy what's his trajectory like it's probably pretty fucking similar to Jimmy's you know what I'm saying so like I don't know whereas with Justin Fields I think he gives you a little bit more athleticism a little bit more kind of tenacity and chip on the shoulder and things that for Justin Fields, the 49ers, I really think that that situation could be great for him because he could kind of follow in what Baker's starting to do and what the Browns have started to do is at first when Baker got to the Browns is they tried to put it on him. You know how fucking hard that is as a QB? You know what I mean? To have everyone, you're 20 some years old, everyone relying on you, grown men, you know, and you're out there throwing three, four picks. To go into a spot where you're running the football a lot and you've got good tight ends, right? And you've got like that for Justin Fields, whoever goes to the Niners, in my opinion, is in one of the best positions of any of these guys in the draft because they've got they're, – they're not a passing first team, right? And in the NFL, the most successful teams, until you are like a Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers and you've gotten used to it, is you run the ball, you run the ball, you set up play actions. You're, you know, you're, you're setting your quarterback up not to fail, right? You're not putting it all on him, which I think for the Niners, that's the best situation – for most of these quarterbacks because they're uh, they have a good running game they've got good tight ends and they're not trying to put it all on you and they've got one of the best offensive coaches right in the nfl to teach you so i i, I know i kind of answered that in a, a silly way but i guess for that the niners i like whoever gets goes there well i'll do this like as a, the team okay because i think like teams that are kind of the jets what we were talking about earlier you aren't just going to draft Zach Wilson and it's like oh we wake up and like wow we're a good football team now because like we said earlier like it's all about your situation when you are a kid because again I don't care if you're over 18 when you are a kid when you're 21 22 years old and you have to go in somewhere and you are now like the face of this and you have to do everything yourself and then you start to look around the room and you're like who the fuck am I throwing to you know what I mean or who the fuck's blocking for me who am I handing off to you immediately start to kind of like put some stress and pressure on yourself that you have to handle everything. So then when you're playing the game, you're now trying to do things. You're not letting the game come to you anymore. You know, you're forcing things. And that's what the problem with the jets have been is everyone hates on Sam Darnold. And it's like, dude, I feel so goddamn bad for this kid because he has done 
everything he possibly can. They're giving him no help whatsoever. That would be like at your job, right? Your boss is like, hey, all right, uh, you got to go sell this deal. Be like, all right, cool. Uh, where's like my kind of marketing stuff that I talk about or no, no, you just, you just talk about this. Just sell it. You know, just, but, but like, dude, I don't have any like help. There's no, there's no like assistance around me. Do I have a, you know, a, an assistant? Do I have a back office? Like there's no help. So then immediately you're like, oh my God, I have to do shit. That, like it's all on me. So now you're stressing and pressing as they say, instead of letting the game come to you. Right. So you can only like, as a quarterback, you know how much of your game is confidence, like 60, 70%, seriously. Cause when you hit the NFL, all those guys are about the same ability uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know? So like, you've got to be confident and comfortable in number one, that your coaching staff has your back and they're going to put guys around you. Right. Number two, that like you have guys around you that will like, like that you have the receivers and running backs and those guys that trust you. And then number three, you've got to have the whole entire team believe, you know, that you're going to be able to do your job when you don't have other people around you, your job then in your mind just becomes so much bigger. So then I, I just don't see any quarterback or any situation where someone goes to the jets and it's fixed even in a couple of years. I think we're in this, I think we're in this exact same scenario in three years from now with the jets. Like yeah. I, I jets, really do. Jets, you know, the Jaguars, man, Trevor Lawrence to me is the most intriguing because I feel like I'm living deja vu. Like I said, with Andrew Luck again, because the Jaguars, the, the cool thing about the Jaguars, I love their owner. I, I think that guy is, you know, he's charismatic. He likes it. He wants the Jaguars to be good. Or gets Urban Meyer, clearly. Urban Meyer had to have shit his pants when Trevor Lawrence said that, like, comment last week. Like, oh, I don't know. If I don't I don't win. Yeah, yeah like, are, you know, and Urban Meyer's like, bro, I literally, like, almost had, like, 18 heart attacks when I coached in college football. I came out of retirement for this, and you're going to say this shit before I draft you? Like, you know, what the hell's the matter with you? So with Lawrence – his whole thing and that I was actually talking to my girlfriend earlier I used to be the fan of when a quarterback gets married that I'm like okay cool this is their only like it's all right football this you know they're they're all in they're not out chasing girls after the Andrew Luck thing I'm putting Trevor Lawrence in this exact same category where because he doesn't have the chip on his shoulder and because I I don't know if he just needs football you know I think that's what it is some of these guys like Justin Fields I think he needs football you know, I think like some of these guys need like Trey Lance, they need football. Like this is like what they like. Trevor Lawrence lo loves football. I just don't know if in a few years when he and his girlfriend have, have some kids and, you know, and they're just like living down in Jacksonville and the Jaguars are all right, cool. We had a good season. We're four and 12, you know, like or four and 13 or whatever it is. And his wife's like, hey, honey, you know, like you're really hurt all the time. Like maybe football isn't life. You know, like those, that shit happens, dude. Like you, if you're a winner your entire life and then you go somewhere and you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose, you lose. That kills you mentally. You know what I mean? Like it absolutely kills never you. lost. I mean, he was yes. what, two time, four time state champion in Georgia. He, you know, he won a, won a national championship in Cle at Clemson. He was in national championship games pretty much every single year. And then, yeah, like you said, right. You go to the, Jag the Jaguars and you're four and 13 for three or four years. I mean, that wears on you. It's something you're not used to, right? No, that's the biggest thing, dude, is, is, is not being used to losing and having to, like, when a quarterback throws an interception, you've got to, you know, have a short memory and get over that. When you lose a game, dude, you think about that shit a lot. But when you go back into the practice, everyone's looking at the quarterback to see how he's handling it. You know, if you're like, hey, dude, let's go. This will be fun. Game week. Let's rock. But when that happens week after week after week after week, dude, that is demoralizing for a team. You know, because everyone starts losing their confidence. Like, I can't do that. I can't, you know, like make these plays, even though they can. But it's like, 
it's so tough. And that takes us all back to situation, right? Like it's so hard to go in somewhere that's a losing mentality and single-handedly almost change it. Yeah. Right. Cause that's kind of what they're asking these kids to do is go in and I change our culture, change your fucking culture, bro. <laughs> like, dear God, that's hard to do. Well, speaking yeah. of losing mentality, I know my guy, Andrew Schuster over there, he, uh, he he's experienced a, a few losing seasons here as a Broncos fan. What, uh, what do you think about, uh, what do you got for yeah. who, who, who ideally should I be pulling for them to draft? If it's a quarterback, mm. like who is and the what guy that do, I like? What do they have again? What do they have? What number? We have number nine, but there's a lot yeah. of talk, you know, there, there's a position where they can move up to four to seven to six. Yeah. Um, I also think there's a chance they could get a quarterback just at nine, but like, yeah, who, who is the guy should be doing jumping jacks and celebrating and, you know, running out the window, screaming if they, if they draft. Uh, I honestly, I think I like, I like Trey Lance. I think that's a position. If they move up, if they stay where they are, I think they could get Trey Lance. Here's the thing. I don't know if I love Mac Jones, excuse me, because for, for the, for the Broncos, because I just, it, it feels like they're kind of just in the same situation all the time. Right. Like, like, cause if you're with Drew Law, it's kind of like what we were talking about with, uh, uh, with the Niners, if they were to take Mac, Mac Jones, unfortunately has this very generic quarterback about him, you know, where like, where he has very, like, he does all the right things, you know, you can't hate on him. Like he does all the right things. He does all this, but he's so similar to some of these other guys that were, I just don't know if he has enough, I guess, ability and upside to really come into Denver and, and give them something they don't have already. Right. Yeah. I think Trey Lance, he's scarier, right. Because he's, he has, he's more unknown, but I think he has some of the athleticism and stuff that it would put them above where Drew Locke is and basically take them to a level where, they're able to do things that they weren't able to do for the last few years. Right. They'll, they're going to, they're not going to be like the Broncos with Peyton Manning, right. Because that's just a different type of team and Peyton Manning is an anomaly, but with Trey Lance, I, I actually really do think that this kid has a lot of upside. And I, I think that because of some of the success from some of these other guys, from some of these smaller division one schools, the big, when the guys are coming like, like uh, Josh Allen, humongous Trey Lance, big dude, big arm. Both had chips on their shoulder, okay? I think that with having the actual ability and the size and able to do shit that other guys can't do and having a chip on their shoulder, I really think you guys should be pulling for Trey Lance. That's my opinion. I think if Justin Fields is somehow there, bro, you should run out in the street and scream. Like, just go bananas, because that would be the greatest scenario in the world. I just don't like to get you excited and say things that I don't think will happen. So, yeah, I agree. But I, I, but I, I think... <laughs> I really think that Justin Fields to me is the most intriguing and, and sexy in a positive way. I think Tri Trevor Lawrence is the most intriguing in a negative way because of the things I said. But I if I'm the Broncos, I'm pulling for Trey Lance or Justin Fields because it gives us something different than we've had and we can kind of build around that. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I'm on the, of the opinion that the Broncos need a quarterback, but I don't actually know if they need to trade up to be a top five quarterback because yeah. I think – Drew Locke actually has shown enough that like if you, if you put him in a situation where he has the same coordinator and he has some stability around him, he actually yes. could end up being not as good as Josh Allen, but kind of a Josh Allen type where he comes out of nowhere. But like, he's just had a couple things work against him situationally that yeah. I think has had him thrown under the bus. And it's like, yeah, he needs to show more, but he's also not like a disaster. He's not Sam Darnold. No. He's seen ghosts out there. It's just, yeah, no, it's exactly, dude. It, it, that, and that's what we're saying is, is I think if you're a GM, you have to kind of look at 
like, is there a, what position are we in in the draft? Okay. Is there a generational pick or talent that we have an actual opportunity to get? If we don't have that actual opportunity and our quarterback's okay, like, I agree with you. I think if you're the Broncos, you should stay with Drew Locke. He's only been there, what, two years as a starter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dude, that's hard. Like, he's, he's just now kind of starting to get in the groove, you know? Like, he's just now starting to get in the groove everything. Build around that guy. You know, build that defense back up. Make, you know, give him some weapon. Give him maybe a few weapons because he, I promise you, if you have a good defense or you give him a few extra weapons or some guys to protect him, your team's going to increase, like your offensive, like success rate's going to increase no matter what, right? Because you now have a quarterback where if you bring someone in new, you, Mac Jones in two years or even Justin Fields in two years, I don't think is going to be as good as Drew Locke is now. Right. So then we're in the same exact situation in two fucking years. So you need to take a look as a GM, which what position are we in? Where realistically can we get without betting the house? You know, if we can't do that, let's stick with our guy because the confidence it'll show Drew that if we don't draft a QB and we draft everyone else, Drew's confidence is going to go like that. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's you certainly become the league right in, in the NFL where it's like, what have you done for me lately? Right. You, no, no longer does a, a QB get drafted and you're going to sit on the sidelines for two years, three years, like learning, right. You're, you're going to get thrown into the fire. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point, right. Where, where Drew Locke and some of these younger guys who maybe have struggled, you know, they deserve maybe an extra year or two, right. To develop. But absolutely, I, I know we're running out of time here, Tim, but I, I do have, I have a couple for you, but one thing that popped up to me and I want to get your take on this. Mm-hmm. So we talked, we talked about situation-based things, right? And you, you look at a guy like Josh Allen, right? Regardless of whether or not he played at Wyoming, but he went to a great situation in Buffalo, not just from mm-hmm. a coaching staff standpoint, but he's a cold-weather guy with yep. a big arm who went to a cold-weather team and yep. a team that needed a big arm, right? So if you're looking at a guy like Trey Lance, right? Yes, he played in the Fargo Dome. Like it was, you know, a, a controlled area, but somebody like that going to Denver, cold weather, not yep. exactly a huge market, right? He's not in LA. He's not in Chicago. He's not in New York. Something like that is interesting. And so with that in mind, as somebody like you, who you played football in the Midwest, right? You played at Dayton. Mm, yeah. How much does that sort of, you know, feed into it, right? As like a, a cold weather quarterback or somebody who's used yeah. to kind of playing in the, you know, when it, it just stings a little bit more when you get hit, right? Oh, hell yeah, dude. And what's funny is as a uh, considered back in the day, a short quarterback, six foot, I'd be the sexiest thing since hot, sliced bread now, uh, you know, but like the thing with that is like, as I used to always never really put into, you know, the, I guess, really think about, oh, hey, like big hands are important. You know, these type of things where ball security things are important. The older I get, and I guess the more separated from me actually being a quarterback, I become more realistic and realize I'm playing in shitty weather with, you know, snow and a lot of stuff that I can't control. To have a guy, like you said, to come in like a uh, like a Josh Allen in Buffalo or like a Trey Lance in Denver or anything like that. I like that just from an aspect of, again, you're a bigger guy. You can take hits. You have ball security. Your hands are bigger. You're the market I, thing I, I really like as well, because going from North Dakota to like the Jets. Oh, dude, that fucks with your head. You know what I mean? Like going going from North Dakota to Denver, bigger market. But like you said, to them and that's actually a great situation for a QB because the the Broncos haven't been that terrible you know like as the Jets so if they go there it's like oh okay you're here you can help build that so with I think the the weather thing to me is very very important and that's why like when you're a passing quarterback like when Kyler Murray got taken by the Cardinals I said I remember I told you I go bro he's gonna be a lot better than people think yeah I go he can 
freaking play and he's playing indoors and even though he's small and small hands okay cool 50 percent of his games are outside other 50 are there vice versa with trey lance right and and uh denver or guys like that having that ability to have a guy that you're not nervous if it's snowing or you know that can still make those throws that can get hit you know by miles garrett and get up the next play and not be hurt that's very very important yeah absolutely all right well let's let's put a bow on this thing timmy so we obviously hit on Everything and anything, and I, I absolutely love this. It's great having you on, man. But uh, who is let's, – let's play the Tom Brady game, right? Who is yep. sort of we, – we hit on the top five. Everybody's talking about him. But look at some of these guys who are going to fall, you know, deeper down in the draft, right? You got the, the Kellen Mons, Davis Mills, who's got a great arm, Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger who from Texas, who apparently is is wowing everybody with his, his pre-draft interviews. Who, yeah. you know, out of maybe those guys or somebody else who's on your board – you know, who's, who's going to be that sort of gem who falls in fourth, fifth, sixth round, who's actually going to really, you know, compete for a starting job and maybe have a chance to turn around a franchise. So uh, I have two, and you, you said both of them. Um, I really, I, I didn't love him when he was in college. I'm liking him more now. Uh, I, Kellen Mond is one, like you said, anytime you're a four-year starter at a big school in the SEC, and you might not, you know, you have decent seasons, but you basically are playing, like we said, top-tier talent every single week. That jump to the NFL isn't as crazy as it is for other guys, right? Because, again, he started for four years, SEC. I think Kellen Mond, depending on where he goes, let's bring it back to situation, baby. That is a big thing. I also – I liked, I really like Kyle Trask. I liked him last year at Florida. I think if we would have had, you know, kind of just a, a somewhat of a normal season, I think he would have been able to do. But he was leading the NCAA in passing yards and I think TDs for a good portion of the season, right? Had, I mean, obviously he threw to Kyle Pitts, who is an absolute man amongst boys. But again, that like he'll have one, you know, if depending on where he goes in the NFL, he'll you know hopefully have some other guys and athletes. And Trask won't be put in anywhere and asked to start, which I think is the best scenario you can ask for as a quarterback. Is dude, give me, give me, be, let me be that QB that gets taken like you know the fourth or fifth QB in the late first or early second. Don't have to start because I can now get used to this whole culture. All right, that's why redshirting exists in college, so you can get used to that shit. Right. It's hard to go in and just start to compete. I think Trask and Kellen Mond, I think Kellen Mond slightly has more upside just from starting a little longer. But I think Kyle Trask, if he does some things, uh, shouldn't shock a lot of people. He has a cannon. The dude can he can rip it. I love it. Well, that was an easy half hour for my guy, Timmy Fogarty. Tim, this was awesome. And thank you so much for the feedback. Thanks for coming on and shout out to the South Bay Ducks. I don't know how many games you guys play. Quack, season. quack, maybe. <laughs> You played 100, you're going to be 100. No, I just I, I, do me a favor and call a, a hold me back coach because I know how you are on the sideline, my guy. Oh, I will. Yeah, I actually have to go talk to the referees before the game and just uh, make sure they like me, you know, before I get flagged. Yeah, let them know <laughs> Say what's up. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, this was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, excited to uh, hopefully come back on sometime. This is great. Absolutely. Love yeah. It, man. yeah, you earned yourself definitely in another spot in the future, my guy. Thanks, buddy. All right, our thanks to Timmy Fogarty. That was an easy 30 minutes for my guy. I'm sure he could have gone for two hours if we would have let him. But shout out to the South Bay Ducks. Quack, quack. They're going to they're gonna run up the score here today on those poor Eagles. But, Andrew, so let's just get right into the dude and the dud of the week. We're, we're, we're up against time here. But who, who's your dude of the week, man? I mean, my dude of the week, and it's, it's less like, oh, what a great accomplishment that they accomplished this week. It's more like let's let's take a second to – to remember Terrence Clark, who would have been a surefire lottery pick this year. And it's just, it's devastating. Obviously, he lost his life in a, in a really tragic car accident. And that's so tough. But to do it only days after getting an agent with Clutch Sports, which is like the agency you want to be with as an NBA player. And I mean, it's just one of those, like his family, 
Like if he, if, if a player like that gets drafted and is a lottery pick, that changes not just your life, but your life for your family and just generations of the people you're going to be around. And for him, this to happen before he gets drafted, I mean, that's all off the table now for his family. And it's, that's yeah, just really, really, really tough to think about. And it's, uh, you know, I'm not a Kentucky fan. I, I don't claim to say I've seen a lot of him, his game and stuff, but just anyone in that situation, there was a guy at Grand Canyon, similar. I don't know that he's going to be a lottery pick or drafted or anything like that. It's different, but just to have these guys that we're watching and, and we're putting so much, you know, thought and, and energy into, to, you know, talking about them and then to remember, oh yeah, they're, they're individuals and he just lost his life. It's, it's just, it's a tough situation. I don't mean to be so dour on this, on this podcast uh, after Tim was just nothing but energy, but I do want to take a second to, uh, you know, give him a shout out. Yeah, absolutely. Oscar Fryer, the, the player at GCU who also died in a car accident, basically a week after playing in the tournament. Um, yeah. I mean, anytime you lose a life when you're, you're in your early twenties, uh, not to mention, you know, a guy who's like you said, Terrence Clark, he's, he had a huge future ahead of him. It's uh, that's, that's a terrible, terrible circumstance. And, you know, the, all the best go out to their, both their families, Oscar Fryer and Terrence Clark. Um, so I'll, I'll try to bring it back here a little bit more levity. Uh, my dude of the week, and you guys know this about me. Uh, I'm a bit of a sports nerd. I love college baseball. Absolutely love it. And I was, you know, just kind of going down the rabbit hole, looking up some D1 baseball stats the other day. And I stumbled upon this guy. He's an outfielder for McNeese State. And if you haven't seen him, check him out. Clayton Raspberry, R-A-S-B-E-A-R-Y. Now, the name is great. The look is even better. I mean, the dude's got chains that he's hanging down from his neck. He's got the 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 full beard. I mean, blonde beard. It's like hanging all the way down like to his belly button. It's absolute beauty. Not only does this guy look and sound like the absolute dude, he is a dude. He's hitting 369, six homers, 28 ribbies. The dude is the man. So, you know, if anybody's got that uh, ESPN, the Ocho, uh, check out McNeese State, Clayton Raspberry. He's going to be your new favorite player. All right, Andrew, who's your dud of the week? My dud of the week is probably the guy who's going to end up being dud of the year um, with, with the stuff he said is Brett Favre, man. Oh, uh, Favre. Come on. Like, it, for the, those of you that don't know, Brett Favre basically came out this week and said he doesn't see how Derek Chauvin could have murdered George Floyd, which is just like, even if, even if that's what you, if, 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 if that is what you genuinely believe, that's one thing. But read the room. Like George Floyd's death sparked civil rights protest throughout the past year. It basically sparked the entirety of Black Lives Matter and everything becoming mainstream and accepted. And to sit there and to, to downplay that murder and to, to say something like that is just incredibly poor taste. And it's just, I mean, stick to your Wrangler jeans and your Copperfit ads, man. It's just like, I, I could go on a, a long-winded diatribe about how ridiculous that is, but I think we all kind of understand how poor those comments were and unfortunately he said stuff like this in the past and he's probably going to say it in the future and it's just brett Favre, be better i mean there's no other way to put it just be better ridiculous yeah it's, it's certainly not the first and not the last time from our boy uh the guns the old gunslinger and yeah i'm not a big stick to sports guy i think athletes have a platform that they should use but uh brett Favre needs to shut the hell up he just needs to go away um, all right. So here's my dad of the week. And I, I got to go a little bit deep on this because I'm, I'm a huge uniform guy. I love, you know, unis, DAP, all that kind of good stuff. The Bengals rolled out their long awaited rebrand, which look, they didn't bungle it. Like I maybe thought they would, but they also didn't really do anything. 
right? It's not, it's not a different, you know, man, okay, they changed out the stripes a little bit. I mean, you got an awesome color scheme, black and orange. You've got the bangles, like you just, you can't do, you, you can't screw it up. And they didn't screw it up, but they also didn't do anything with it. So from that standpoint, I'm looking at the teams who have kind of done this rebrand thing. Teams need to stop this. The Rams rebrand, awful. The Falcons rebrand, awful. I mean, all these teams that are doing the Jets rebrand, awful. Everything is just like, how hard is it to just get it right and have some cool freaking uniforms that also speak to the past, right? When I'm thinking about that, the one thing that drives me absolutely insane, and it happens, it, it college seems to have it figured out because all the young kids, like the schools, know what what these young kids want. They want to look good. You want to look. You want to wear a different helmet every single every single game, right? You want to look cool. The NFL, in the in the essence of player safety, right? You only get one helmet. Now. There has been some rumors that the NFL is re-looking at this, but dude, forget rebranding. Bring it back to 10 years ago when the Patriots, those white lids with the the uh, the, the red uniforms, right? The the Titans when they had those Oilers, like the, the baby blues, your do- your uh, your Broncos, the the light blue powder blue John Elway helmet with the that that bright orange. Like, give me the old school stuff and don't give me this stupid like new rebrand like the, the falcons and the rams like they're the gradient shading like that is absolutely atrocious and while the Bengals, thank god didn't do that they also didn't get it right i mean what, I what's what's your favorite i'm thinking you know oh shoot, like the eagles that like the randall cunningham days those those nice like kelly greens with the silver even the the seahawks who i hate i mean that blue and green with the silver lids like okay i could i'd like to see dk metcalf and russ wilson you know running around in those like What's what's your favorite like throwback uni in the NFL? Oh, my favorite Don't throwback. I mean, I mean the Broncos yeah. had a great one, but that's again that's just my team. So I'm I'm, but I mean the Oilers were great with those baby blue and yeah. and, and the Titans like could easily you know have that once a once a year just do it even though it's obviously a different city, different team name. But um, yeah, no the Bengals. I mean I'll, I'll say this at least it was on brand with what you expected. Like the Bengals are the are the most just blah like. They're, they're neither like no one hates the Bengals, but no one likes the Bengals. They're just kind of there and they have Joe Burrow and he's not even in the throne in that campaign. Like he's just, and they brought Ocho Cinco oh, back. They did all I this stuff. They, like, this I'm like, warehouse. Wait, Joe Mixon sitting in the throne and it's not Joe Burrow. What are we doing? Yeah. Are it's, you serious? it's just, and they, they brought Ocho Cinco back. They're filming in this weird warehouse where they brought a bunch of tropical plants to just the warehouse. Like, you, and and they're, they're known for this of like not wanting to spend money or do anything cool. They're very conservative with their spending. But I just watched the video and I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I would. If you told me the Bengals are going to do a big high production commercial for their, their uniform launch. And I like was like, all right, what's the worst way it could go? It, it went exactly the way I would have anticipated. Yeah, we talked about this offline, right? Where, you know, this has been months in the making sort of, you know, it, it's kind of the Bengals fault, right? You were we're kind of uplifting this talking about oh it's coming you know on monday here it comes and you got everybody talking about like what could these what, what could it be like they're going to turn it into something awesome and, and then it was just that the problem is when it's when the coolest thing about your uniform reveal is bringing back an, a former player like ocho cinco who don't get me wrong ocho cinco is the man but and that's the coolest thing about your uniform reveal you're doing it wrong i mean if you're going to do if you're going to roll out uniforms that are just basically a a, a slight iteration of what you had before maybe a little bit better like just take your players to the amazon and put them with real bengal tigers and let's like let's see what what happens yeah, that'd be great. Like, you want to give me a uniform reveal give me a uniform reveal possibly don't make 
Jackson gets his Achilles slashed by a real Bengal tiger. Now we're talking. That's that would be the story of the century. It's like, oh yeah, Joe Burrow really? just got over his ACL surgery and then he got his arm mauled off by a Bengal tiger in India. <laughs> just footage of it. We're talking about it. It was all for the uniform <laughs> reveal. I would be a huge fan of the Bengals if they did that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'd, I'd suddenly be a huge fan of the Bengals. A- anyhow, that, yeah, that not not great. And uh, Rob Goodell, you know, get off your ass and let let the the old school uh, uniforms come back. But Andrew, this was a a slog here through a Saturday morning as we're we're both chugging coffee and trying to get over our hangovers. But a, a special thanks to our boy Tim Fogarty. Go Ducks! Quack quack. Andrew, you're the man. You're a warrior. Thanks for battling through today. That was a great show, man. Yeah, I battled through today, but I'm excited now. I'm going to go uh, drink some more and watch the Ducks. I'm going to go to a nine-year-old flag football game and uh, hang out with Tim and just <laughs> watch them destroy the Eagles. There you go. I love it. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's that's the walk on Saturday, April 24th, and we are wrapped. The walk on.